his karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it. Apply today at penfed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. Today's show is brought to you by Fab Skin Hot Bodies with Dr. Jeanette Graff, a new podcast about keeping your body and skin looking toned and young. Want to look your best for the holiday season? Join Dr. Graff, world-renowned dermatologist, author, and skincare researcher, as she interviews famous stylists, makeup artists, and fitness gurus in order to give you the best advice and tips. No beauty or skin topic is off limits. So whether you're looking for the best way to remove cellulite or how to get the perfect tan without damaging your skin, Dr. Graff has you covered. Check her out today on Fab Skin Hot Bodies with Dr. Jeanette Graff. Welcome to Reality Bites, a podcast about sex, love, relationships, and dating in the digital age. I'm Courtney Kosak. And I'm Steve Fernandez. And it's this weird time between Christmas and New Year's. The best time. I, I, I feel we got kind of gypped, though, this year, because you don't, that's, this is the only real week of vacation. Because uh, because there was because the, of the Monday the way it, the Christmas and New Year's and stuff lined up, but this is that sweet wonderful week where you're probably back home and you're seeing old friends, perhaps old loves. Um, dude, I would love to hook up with like an old high school girlfriend. Mm. Like that sounds great to me. <laughs> Whatever. You know, you know, Mike. I have one. You know who I'm talking about? Who occasionally like will send like. Like a drunken Facebook message to me. Oh, really? Yeah, and she'll just be like, ah, "Weren't we crazy kids?" Like that kind of a thing. Uh, do you still do you like? Look, is she attractive, and you like what's going on in her life? Or is uh, it still like someone you would date today? Uh, well, she's married, uh, but um, I like the way she looks. Yeah, and like she's that, or like the person she's become. I shouldn't be so superficial. I I don't know. She was a very loving person. We didn't get along that well. I mean. In the, my later years, in my 20s, we didn't get along. She, like, was very into, like, Oprah, like, in a bad way. Uh, like, like just in a bad way. Which, you know, I love Oprah, don't get me wrong, but in a bad way. Uh, <laughs> oh but the God. older we've gotten now, you know, now that we're older in our 30s and everything, uh, I understand the kind of person she is, and I, I get it. She just wanted me to always be a, a person that I wasn't ever going to be. But, uh, yeah, if I'm, you know. But you'd I, give it a, another spin. Well, Take- <laughs> yeah, but she's married, and obviously I'm in a very happy relationship. But, you know, I, I always love that kind of stuff. I, I think it would be great. Like, this kind of week, you go home, that kind of thing, and you get a little boozy and, like, make out in the alley. A make out, make out's not cheating. That's what I say. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like some people would disagree. Yeah, mostly my girlfriend. So... <laughs> Yeah, I guess it is cheating. Uh, But yeah, this is that fun week where Christmas is over. All we have to look forward to is the heaviness of New Year's Eve. A lot of pressure on that date. Do you have a, are you and Wade doing anything? We are just like having friends come around to Bar Angelus. That'll be nice. Yeah, it'll be, I, I'm always underwhelmed. It doesn't matter what I do on the holiday if I like, try to go to a place and we pay like $200 to like, ha- you know, 
have reserved seats at this thing or if I, you know, am like watching movies with friends, I'm always like kind of disappointed yeah, with the you, there's festivities. There's nothing you could do. There's yeah. nothing you could do. Yeah. So have you ever had a New Year's Eve where <clears throat> you like made out with a crush or anything? No, I had a New Year's Eve where I was disappointed that someone didn't share Coke with me. <laughs> I don't like, cocaine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, <laughs> I don't, I don't just for the listeners. I don't, that's not something I normally do. I was, just, I'm just saying, no, nothing good has ever happened on New Year's for me. <laughs> I, you know, people don't talk about that feeling enough when somebody's not sharing their Coke. <laughs> that, it, it is a terrible feeling. And, you know, for our younger viewers, you don't know yet, uh, but I'm telling you, it's a terrible feeling. We're like, come on, man. Give the big man a line already, all right? I know you got something. I know you're not, you don't have to, you keep using the restroom like that, huh? It's New Year's Eve, goddammit. It's just a feeling of being left out. And that was like five years ago, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, yeah, I don't think I've had one like that, too. These are just, you know, now that you have someone, I love my girlfriend so much. Julie is so beautiful. I, I, I'm not kidding. I really do think she's getting more beautiful with age. Aww. I told her years ago, I think she's going to really like max out at like 39. When she's 39, it's going to be like, ooh, god damn. Like that kind of like how hot she's I don't know if you becoming. need to put a late number on it. Oh, no. I said 39, and then it's all downhill from here. That's what I told her. It's all bad <laughs> after that. <laughs> no, but we'll, uh, I don't know exactly what we're doing. I think we'll, uh, I don't know. Maybe we'll go hang out with my brothers or something. That's always fun to be with people that you really love like that. Mm-hmm. So when I was a kid, we used to make uh, homemade ice cream, which is honestly probably the best New Year's Eve I've ever had. That we would make like this fun. homemade ice cream, and it was so good. And it's like kind of like it's different from regular ice cream. It's like I don't know, more flavorful or vanilla-y in some way. I don't know. I loved it. So that was a great tradition. But I always get super reflective, as I'm sure most people do, um, during this week. Because it's like, what did you do this year? And what do you want to do next year? Are you going to do resolution? Definitely. Do you have something in mind? I, I was walking to the gym with Wade last night, and I was already like... Busting his balls, like what are you, what are your resolutions? <laughs> <laughs> well, we're gonna do a, a dry January, and then um, I really do need to be writing more, which is the you know stand up comics always say that, but it's like this is if this is what my life's for. So yeah, I'm, I'm gonna write more, take that off, drop 25 pounds so I can fit into my new jumpsuits. Uh, <laughs> yes, but yeah, I mean we're you know we're I'm looking forward to it. We, we got a pretty good life though, and. Uh, We'll see how that all turns out. I'm like hell bent on, I don't know how much I like, yeah, I'll say this publicly. Like 2018, like career wise, there's just gonna be no stone left unturned. You know what I mean? Like if there is an opportunity or just like a glimmer of one, I'm gonna fucking grab it and like make it be my bitch. <laughs> that is how I feel. That's good. Uh, that's really good. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to tour a lot more too. And I think I finally got, got my art to the place where I feel comfortable doing the thing you just said that you'd want to do. I've never been one to like want to grab something that I don't, but I feel now internally that I've earned whatever I want to get, that, uh-huh. I can, that I'm as good as anyone and that I should go after those things. Uh, because I, I could probably get them and like I'm, I'm just good enough now but it took all this time it took seven eight years 
to get it's, to that It's place. putting in the hours. It's like putting in your hours that, yeah, bring you to the place where you're like, I have no doubt about that like you deserve to be there and that you're good enough. And like, if you do get the job or the, you know, budget or whatever it is that you can make it happen and, and it'll be good. Yeah. Yeah. I never thought I could do a Conan set cause my comic comedy tends to be a little dirty, but I'm like, Oh, I could do a Conan set easy. Cause I'm not like a, even though I talk about sex a lot, I'm not, I don't like, I'm not gratuitous or anything like that. Plus, you gotta have five minutes that aren't about like. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I have getting five your minutes. dick sucked. Yeah, I mean they're not worth talking about. But I can, no, I can but, see you on Conan with your jump with your like overalls. Yeah, I'm not wearing coveralls to the thing, but uh, yeah, but yeah, that's gonna. I'm gonna. I'm, I would have never thought about being able to do a late night set, but now I know I'm capable of doing a late night set. So I'm gonna go after that. Everybody turned in their half hours to Comedy Central this December. Everyone's going crazy. They got the thing. But I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't care about that stuff. But now that I've done the hour, I'm like, oh, I'm going to start to craft a half hour Comedy Central thing because uh, I'm good enough to be able to do that. And uh, so, I, I mean, I wouldn't have felt this way a year ago. So I guess 2017 has been pretty good to me. Yeah. The world is burning around us, but God damn it, we're going to make it. <laughs> <laughs> In Hollywood. <laughs> do some real help to this world, right? Oh, my God. How amazing was our guest today? I, uh, D'Lo is, the, the stuff he was saying is like, I felt very, I, I mean, it was just beautiful. Yeah. I, I'm so grateful to this podcast that we're able to interview such interesting people that, um, you know, and his story in particular really like touched my heart in a way that uh, I just, I mean, I just identified so much with a lot of the things he was saying and um, it's really beautiful and I, I really love this episode and you guys are in for a real treat. So here we go. You guys, we are here with the amazing D'Lo. Hey. Very funny comedian, member of Disoriented Comedy. Um, and yeah, are you like, are there three main members? There's, there was actually three founding members. And because one of the founding members is in Texas, um, Atsuko and Jenny were the main producing face of it. And then I came in when I moved back to LA in 2013, so. Awesome. It's, it's it's our faces, even though I'm not a founding member, I'm a producing member. Awesome. Well, we've now I'm nobody. we we complete the the group now with yeah. you, with your guest appearance. Thank you for coming on. I'm so happy. Well, I remember seeing you guys. I did. I'm g- glad that you're Sri Lankan. I was like, why'd they put a Puerto Rican guy up there? I mean, <laughs> <You know? laughs> who's the Puerto Rican guy? Oh, I know. And disoriented comedy. So many people were upset that that, that the Puerto Rican guy was up. On. Some were upset that the Dominican guy was up there. Yeah, you know? yeah. I guess it is yeah. more Dominican than that. I saw you grew up in Lancaster, huh? Yep. That's nuts. There's yeah. nothing out there, huh? No. It's the desert. The desert. No bunch of white people. Big crystal meth problem? Big crystal meth problem. Uh, Trump supporters. Trump supporters. You know that Lancaster was where the first West Coast KKK church was established. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's our legacy. And then a bunch of Sri Lankans came there. So Sri Lancaster now. So is, <laughs> is there like a large immig- immigrant population? There? there is now. But like when I was coming up, it was like it was like a bunch of Sri Lankans like flies in the buttermilk. Were you made to feel like other? Did you was it noticeable or you didn't think about it? It was definitely noticeable. Like we felt some stuff. Obviously, like it's a real hick 
Hicktown, or that's how it was. Like a lot of things have changed. Uh-huh. Once the jail came, then it was like a whole nother thing because that's like a maximum security prison out there. It's huge. Is that good um, or bad that it changed? That good and bad. It's I like employment, say, right? But also employment, and it and it brought a like. Unfortunately, well, it became less white because of that. I don't know if that's a good or bad thing. Do you get what I'm saying? But uh. the dynamics changed because of that um but yeah like there was a lot of changes when when i was coming up it felt real country super country like you know i felt like we saw a lot of horses and dust were people were kids in school shitty no you know the thing is like back then so the, the immigrants of a particular brand do this one thing where they, they want their kids to go to college. You get what I'm saying? Uh-huh. That was a big thing for Sri Lankan immigrants, right? So, and we came pre the big Sri Lankan wave because we weren't fleeing the war. And my father's a doctor, so a lot of his folks were doctors and then they they got their residency in New York. And one of them found out about a job in Lancaster and then basically called the rest of them. So like nowhere in the United States we do you have that chunky Sri Lankan community, but you have that in Lancaster. So um, my father used to talk to me about racism and all of that. We knew that we were different also because we were expected to go to college. There were no good public schools at that time. So we ended up going like all these super Hindu kids ended up going to Baptist Christian schools because they were private and the chances of us getting a better education, right? So <clears throat> we were treated well, but well, but different. Do you get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, there was no sort of like, we're all one type of people. They were like, okay, you're doing your thing. We're not gonna bother you. We're Christian people. We're not gonna hate you, but we definitely don't approve, right? Or we're not gonna go out of our way to like accept you. Yeah. And nor did they go out of their way to even convert. You know what I'm saying? I think that there was a strong push on like, no, you can't do that with our, our oh. folks. You know what I'm saying? So you were never tempted to become a Christian? Oh, no, I became a Christian. Oh. <laughs> I accepted him into my heart twice. I was just trying to cover my bases. How old were you when you first How, did it? I think the first time I was like three or four, and the second time was when I was like a little bit older, and they had this horrible video called The Rapture playing. It was about the book of Revelations. Now, are you sure it was called The Rapture? I sure think it was called The Rapture. Are you sure it wasn't called A Thief in the Night? I heard about <laughs> I heard about that one, but I don't... I feel like it was called... I, what was it about? I want to hear. It was like a bunch of hippies. Yeah. Was that it? Thief it's, in the Night? I th- I'm pretty sure it's it. Oh Keep my God, it was so horrible. I was so terrified that after one of the sessions, because we had to watch it every Friday, one of the sessions... One of the teachers came up in the front and was like, um, you know, if any of you haven't accepted Jesus in your heart. And I was like, I know I did it when I was three and four, but let me just, let me just you know, double up on this dose real quick. I was like, my eyes are going to burn like that. It was some scary it ass shit. It was like shit. a 70s film, right? It was the 70s. It was super duper hippie. And uh, Bell Bottoms the whole night. Was it, Mark the, of the it Beast. had a guillotine in it, right? If you didn't accept Jesus into your heart, I'm I'm sure I'm sure that and a lot more. I was like, shit, and I'm gonna be wearing bell bottoms. <laughs> Those are shitty hippies. If there's I mean, no, these are it's famous like, movies, I, I guarantee you it's oh that. There was a trilogy, 
Uh, the main one's called A Thief in the Night. But uh, yeah, everyone gets raptured. All these good people get raptured. And then these people are left and the government like kind of starts to hunt them down. Yeah. And it's so funny because everybody, if you don't get the mark of the beast... Uh, which is a tattoo on your hand or your forehead, which people got in the movie and like use that. It's like how, a binary code. Yeah, yeah. Now it's actually getting kind of scary or weird because we will eventually get some kind of yeah, microchip mark, or yep. something inside of us. That I'm, which is what, I mean, Christians have been saying for yeah, 40 don't years. Don't sleep on the Bible, people. Yeah. <laughs> so that's going to be the mark of the beast when we get some kind of microchip in us or something. Uh, but then if there's a lot of people in the film, if you didn't, uh, if you didn't like denounce Christ, then the government, for whatever reason, chose to use a guillotine on you. <laughs> oh my God! What? So what was your your family didn't? Convert I, did, I along. had to be closeted about that shit too. <laughs> oh my God! Because every Friday we're going to Budgeon, which is basically like a semi church. It's like we all gathered as a community, you know, and sang in front of the gods. I was like, Jesus. Don't judge me for doing this because you told me not to disobey my parents. So <laughs> I'm doing that. And I'm also, I'm like, God damn. You got to cut me some slack here. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, that's I was great. Like, Turmoil, man. Conflict. It's like too, I was too little. I'm like, I'm like, that's a lot to be weighing out. Like, uh -huh. your demise, your post death. Your, your post-death, the temperature that's going to be happening in your post-death <laughs> scenario. And, and like, whether or not you're turning your back against Jesus. And apparently we're always turning our back on Jesus. But Jesus, you know, he's a lover. <laughs> <laughs> so, but later, so I read uh, that your dad uh, still tried to arrange... A marriage for you? Yeah. Oh, hold on. Let, let me. Let's. let's Am jump I skipping back over you, some stuff? No, no, yeah, I, I do want to yeah, know. When did you start? Um, how old were you when you when you you knew that you were different? Oh, fresh, fresh out the womb. So five years old, six I years old. I felt. I knew. I, I feel like I don't know. Sometimes I ask other people. I was like, Yo, I was attracted to women, like at such an early age. Mm -hmm. Like I wanted to be around women and all of that. So I just, you know, like I never thought anything of it. I had all these crushes when I was. Tiny, mm -hmm. and when I talked to some other people, like no, I only had like a crush, and I was like, oh, maybe I'll just keep this to myself. Um, but I felt like, like I was a dude, you know what I'm saying? Like I felt like, yo, I'm a, I'm a dude. This is what dudes do. They have crushes on girls. That's what's up. I didn't. I don't think that I understood like the rigidity of gender and like rules and like boxes until later. Until I, and then when I realized that, I was like, oh. This is not cool for me to be in this world with a vagina and dress this way and act this way. Mm -hmm. And then slowly I started plotting to try and, I call it my first gender transition, try to be a girl at some point, um, which didn't last for that long. But, but So um, you, never felt, you never felt bad about it? I felt bad about it when I first heard the word homosexual in a negative way. There was another sort of incident that, and that happened at the Christian school. Um, there was another situation prior to that where I saw on Maury Povic, I think it was, a trans guy on there, and they were talking, oh, this guy used to be a woman. And I was like, oh my God, that's amazing. Like, that's, oh, and then like in a split second, the crowd is ridiculing him and like making oh, fun of God. him and doing all of this shit. And I was like, oh, never mind. You know what I'm saying? It was like this moment of like, wow, to like, Oh, I'm going to go deep in the closet. You know what I'm saying? So how that old, happened. How old do you think you were? I had to be like maybe 10, uh -huh. I think, around that age. When I 
when I tried to, you know, I, I, I went in sixth grade and I was like, you know what, I can't be a boy no longer. So I'm going to grow up my hair throughout the sixth grade. Still looking like a dude, still, you know, I was a fly young kid. Man. <laughs> you know, so you didn't wear, all the you didn't wear dresses turn. or anything no, like that? You nothing. always dressed like a boy? Yeah. And your yeah. folks didn't think anything about it? No, because they, they used to talk out loud to each other by saying, oh, no, Dilo's going to grow out of that. So I was just like, oh, okay. Like, nobody's having a problem. It's different, right? Like, if you were born into the world as a boy and then you exhibited feminine behavior, then it would be like the whole world was trying to, like, smash you into, like, being a boy, right? Yeah. I think the flip exists in a lot of cultures whenever it's a tomboyish young daughter or a girl or whatever. I'm going to show you some pictures. Um, but... But keep asking me questions. So wait, so so they just thought like it's a phase, but they weren't negative about it. They weren't it. negative about it, but at some point, you know, like for birthdays and whatnot, my mother would be like, "Oh, well, wear this dress," and I would like cry and cry and cry, uh -huh. and then I put on a dress. And my my up my father would be the one who would be like, "Okay, just wear this for the cutting of the cake," and then right afterwards, you can go and you know, like for the pictures, and then do what you do what you need to do for Yama, and then. <laughs> That's nice, right? Oh yeah, he he was he was super about that. Like he was just he he, he didn't mind. I was like his little boy. You know what I'm saying? Like he's the one who taught me how to do everything. Like play catch. You know, we tended the garden together, like mowing and salting uh -huh. and you know harvesting plants and vegetables. That 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 to me is masculine behavior because my fa you know we're I islands, right? Like it's like that's how you tended the land. So I was raised like a little boy would be raised. You know. Do you have um, siblings? I had a sibling and she passed away. Oh, I'm sorry. She, she was older to me. She was my um, she, older sister. That was, was also difficult, like, uh, you know, trying to, you know, like, oh, they lose their first daughter and then they lose this second one too, like in another way. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Were you pissed when puberty happened? I was hella pissed. <laughs> oh I was God. hella pissed. I was like, what the? I felt like like my shit was turn, turned against me. <coughs> I was like, oh no. And then they make you get like this thing called, um, it's called a periapilla ceremony, which means like big, big child, big girl ceremony. It's your period party. You know what I'm uh -huh. saying? So it's your rites of passage. And it's the first time that you have to wear a sari. And... I remember my father's going around the house taking pictures of me, and I was like devastated. I was like so upset, crying the whole fucking time. I could curse. I've been cursing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah you're good. Um, but I'm, I'm gonna show you some of these real quick. <laughs> That's me. Oh my side. god. <laughs> oh my god. Maybe we could share some of these. Yeah. Oh yeah, we'll definitely really share can. some of these. It's like that was when I was I like mean, yeah, super you, swaggy licious. Yeah, yeah. You were I just was, a cool looking little boy. I was. I was turning that honey's head. So did, 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 did girls have crushes? <laughs> okay, so this is what happened. There was one, <laughs> one time when we went to this party, and you know, I, I remember this proper because this is, this is what happened. Um, you know, I was never going to let go of this, this memory. But one of my sister's friends went up to her and was like, if Dilo was a real boy, I would totally have a crush on him. So I was like. I'm doing this. <laughs> I got the. I was. I had the nice threads. I had. You know what I'm saying? I was joke. The Mervin sec. The boy section in Mervin's was my jam. <laughs> so then, what was high school like? Trying to navigate. Yeah, that was that was rough. So the worst part was that my sister passed away right before I got into high school, and she had been in that high school. 
So she was a senior when she passed, and I was coming in as a freshman the year after she would have graduated, and she she passed in her senior year. So everybody knew her as like the studious, like she was valedictorian, you know. Mm-hmm. And then here comes me, and I was like completely the opposite. Like I played sports, I was like hanging out with people, I was cracking jokes, you know. And it was like also cracking jokes to deflect the the heat that might have been on my ass, you know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. So I I I um I managed it with and but it was it was difficult. Like there was a lot of stuff happening in my mind and like whenever I was out of the out like away from people, you know what I'm saying? But I tried. It was performance after a while. It was just like, okay, how can I behave the most girly that I can while still not like compromising who what my spirit is like, you know? So it was, it was and like you never so, even tried to fool yourself into thinking that you would like guys? No, I, I, I didn't fool myself. I was like I, you know what, I think that even to this day and all throughout I've been attracted to everybody, you know? Mm-hmm. But who I feel emotionally connected to has always been feminine people. Um, but at that time I dated this one Sri Lankan guy. He was everything I wanted to be. <laughs> That's how I put it. He was like he was like the me I wanted to be. He was super swagulicious. He had he had those remember those glasses that the Dwayne Wayne glasses from yeah. fucking From a different world. A different yeah. world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had them gems. He had some light we eyes. Was, I think we're around the same age because yeah. you keep saying stuff that I told you. Yeah. You were mentioning Mervyn's. Yeah. <laughs> Mervyn's a gem. Jemco, you remember Jemco? Yeah, I remember Jemco. Um, yeah, yeah, we're probably the exact same yeah. age. <laughs> yeah. So um so anyway, I uh, you dated him. I dated him. So he I even found dated you another. Attra- he found you attractive, he, he, right? No, the thing is, a lot of the dudes who who I dated were into this hip hop style. Like uh, that was the other thing. Like you could you could uh, be like you know big baggies, Queen Latifah TLC type of thing. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And and get by, and people were just like, oh no, I'm down for that flavor. Ignorant That's so men. interesting. That is like a sort of like gender flexible. Totally. Queen Latifah was like literally what I saw freedom in because when I saw Queen at such a young age, I think I was like 11, she was so like this. She was the boss. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And she, she was, she's like one of the illest MCs. You know what I'm saying? So I saw that and I was like, oh, well, even if I can't get my prayers answered to be a boy, I could definitely grow up and do that. Like there was flexibility in that. And, uh-huh. and I saw that as freedom. Um, TLC came out. I was right in line with that. You know what I'm saying? So, so then what happened with this guy you were seeing? He ended up seeing one of my friends. Oh. Yeah. I was, I was hurted about that. But only because that's like an ego break. Plus, he was just, he was pretty. Uh-huh. A very pretty face. So yeah. when did you start dating women? Around the same time that I had, I had uh, kicked it with this one guy, there was another person who went to a different high school who, who like, was coming on strong. And this was my first time, like, even... And I remember, like, I wasn't even, like, fully attracted to her, but it was just the thought of, like, somebody else with a vagina, like, like is is uh-huh. coming at me strong, you know what I'm saying? So I was like, <laughs> my shit, I would just get wet right when I see her, you know what I'm saying? Like, I would be like, because, you know, like, you never done it before, and, like, that's yeah, what you're really about, yeah. you know? So I was just like, whoo! I'm like, I... <laughs> 
I remember when we kissed, I was like, did I piss myself? You know what I'm saying? Is that too much information? <laughs> no, that's perfect. <laughs> yeah. And you were, so you weren't even like that attracted to her, but just no, the fact that man. she was a woman. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah that was, <laughs> and plus, it's like the first time. Like, yeah. I never thought growing up that I would ever be able to kiss another woman. You get oh. what I'm saying? Like, in my head, I thought, you know, there was never going to be a moment where I could be me and somebody else could be her and we would be able to be together. You get what I'm saying? Uh-huh. I never thought that that was even a a thing. Like that could even be possible, you know? I mean, to kiss the the thing that you're like attracted to most the first time is like so cuz I've kissed men before. I'm not really I I don't really I don't identify as gay, but I'm mostly attracted to women and uh, the difference between the two is like night and day. Because you could still kiss someone. It's like, oh, that's fine. Yeah. But when you find someone that, like... That you're the, about. The thing, yep. yeah, that gets you right there yep. in the arm yep. and shit. God damn, yeah. man. Yeah. Yeah, so, and, the, and the hard part was that I knew I wasn't attracted to her. And yet I couldn't wait to see this girl. You know what I'm saying? I was like, shh. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's some guy bullshit right yeah. there. Oh, my God. It was, it, it, it was lousy. It was lousy because she was also, like, at some point became very annoying because it was like... She, I don't mean. I think that she wasn't even about me in that way, but she just liked to play this game, knowing that I was the first for her. You yeah. know, like uh-huh. or, or like it was it was my first, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. So she was just in it to win it, boy. Like she was. I mean, you know, your hormones are raging at that age too. So, she, so I know that she was probably you know just like spiky because she could be. You know what I'm saying? Did you, did you guys do, like, did you see each other for a while? Did you do a bunch of messing around? We did a bunch of messing around. And then um, I went to college. Uh-huh. I went to UCLA and it was like... Did you move to UCLA? I you did. lived there? I lived in the dorms. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and there was an RA that, who was by, And there was another resident somebody Female? who was... Yeah. Both of them was female, but the one that was closer to me in age, she was she was bi, and we clocked each other, and it was like on the sly popping in her dorm room. <laughs> so at this point, were you were you starting to like? Get and she, comfort? I was a she was fun. <laughs> she was fine. She was a little bit too much, but she was fine. Oh, yeah, man. yeah. She was tall, chocolatey, and. <laughs> He's got a huge smile on his face. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, were you, so, were you get, getting comfortable with the idea of maybe identifying as gay at that point? Not, not like more comfortable than ever before, but 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 in internally, like okay, yeah, I'm gay. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I was like, I could do this and and know that I'm like proper gay. You know what I'm saying? But it was when I. Like, it was soon after that that I met somebody who I had fallen in love with. Oh. And that brought me out more than anything. Now, now, mind you, like, you know how you see somebody who is, you know, a cisgender woman. She might be a, a little bit more, like, or a little less feminine than, than what is supposed to be or whatever. And then you just kind of sniff it. Like, you know that motherfucker's gay, right? Like, you, because, you know what I'm saying? Because it's just the... The, the energy, right? Uh-huh. People were sniffing my shit from before I even knew that they were sniffing it. Like, they knew that my ass was super queer from the jump. And here I was thinking I'm hiding it. You know what I'm saying? But it was just on me. Like, it was just this pheromone. No, it wasn't a pheromone. So you're... It was. 
your so then that brings us up to speed with your dad trying to arrange a marriage, right? Yeah, he he says that he didn't know, but then all of a sudden it's him asking, which is weird because it's never usually the fathers who are approaching the subject. Ah, you know what I'm saying? It's usually the mothers approaching the subject. Is this like a, still a standard practice for Sri Lankans? I mean, times have changed a lot. It depends on the family. It depends on like how, um, what what society you're rolling in. You know what I'm saying? Like, I know that in Toronto they still there's still a lot of arranging. Uh-huh. Uh, there's a there's a thick ass Tamil Sri Lankan community in Toronto, in Scarborough. Um, for even like a lot of my peers were arranged, um, mm-hmm. but then a lot of them weren't either. You know. So then how did this go down? Your dad approached you and you were just he, like, It was nah. over the phone. It was <laughs> over the phone and he's like, oh, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, chilling. I want to tell you I found two men for you. Like, two men? No, what for? <laughs> he's like, you don't know what the hell you're going to do after college. You have to get married. And I was like, oh, you know what? Thank you, but no thank you, really. Like, I'm good. He's like, no, what's the problem? You have a boyfriend? No, I don't have a boyfriend. What's the bloody problem? There are two doctors in North Carolina. They're <laughs> brothers. You can pick which one you want. <laughs> I was like, oh, thank you. That's very feminist of you, but no thank you. <laughs> um, and then he kept going, and, and then he's like, oh, do you have a girlfriend? But he was saying it like a joke, like, oh, do you have a girlfriend? <laughs> you know, like that. Uh-huh. I was like, what? Well, what had happened was, you know, <laughs> and then and then the whole thing tumbled out, and he's like, "You're not gay, you're not gay." And then, um, two minutes later, like he hangs up on me. Two minutes later, my mother calls me. She's like, "Dilo, uh, so Appa just said something to me," uh, and I'm like, "What, Amma?" She's like, "Are you a gay?" And you know, she was like, "How long have you known?" Okay, just don't tell anybody. You know what I'm saying? Like the whole night. And it was just rough after that. It was rough. But um, but I, I bounced after that because after I graduated, I just left. And I was like, let's just give this some space. Uh-huh. But that's how it all went down. And they tried everything they could, particularly my mama. She tried everything she could to... to um, Undate to change you. me, yeah, ungain me, yeah. She's like, well, maybe you could go back. I'm like, there was never no back. I'm like, never no back. I'm so sorry to tell you. Um, this yeah. uh, in uh, in Hindi culture is is it looked at as a sin or are they worried about you? Or oh, in Hindu culture, yeah. Um, well, it's not actually. Hinduism is like super oddly gender affirmative mm. like there's a lot of gender bending that takes place um some gods turn into other you know flip genders that it's not it's not the hinduism it's not a religious thing it's a cultural thing mm-hmm. so it's you know it's you don't talk about it you definitely can't do nothing about it. Of course, as we know, in every culture, there's always something happening in the back alley. But, but for um, in in our culture, it wasn't. Nobody was like, "Oh, don't be like that." There's always there's just this general like that patriarchal bullshit around effeminate men. That I definitely heard about all the time. The, this world reinforces that kind of 
negativity towards uh, gay men. Um, but it wasn't. It was. It was definitely not religious. It was definitely more cultural. So when did they come around? I mean, have they come around? They have come around. I'll say that when my mother got an okay from a, from a spiritual person that it was okay, uh. then she was more about it. But she had been being told that it was okay by different spiritual people. It just took this one that she had more faith in to be like, yo, this is fine, don't trip. Um, she was still kind of like not okay with like they they used to hate that in my bios I would be like Dilo's a queer uh-huh. trans you know they hated that they were like why can't you just be you know what you 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 are but you don't need to write it you don't need to talk about it and I'm like but that's what my work's about um, but my partner she's the savior she came in like fucking superhuman the person you're with right now yeah. How is the person that person? you fell in love with? All back in the no, day? No, no, that was college. Okay. You know, that's like a falling in love that happens that you swear you're in love with somebody, but it's just like your dick is in your eyeball. Yeah. <laughs> you know and you can't see your like. And it's like you said, it's the first time. Yeah. So it's like. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'll tell her about her. And um, no, this is, this is after I had, um, after I gained a lot of sense. <laughs> That's this is the partner I'm talking about, is that I was well grown for her. You know what I'm saying? Um, no, I met her in 2010 uh-huh. in New York, and then we've been together since then. Um, but she's the one who came in and like she's she like basically filled in the cracks and then like became the bridge to where we could both, where I could appreciate them and they could appreciate me. You know what oh, I'm saying? Oh, that's beautiful. She's. She's like one of the best people you ever meet. Like you'll you'll meet her and you'll be like, dang, I thought Dilo was dope. <laughs> <laughs> you meet her, you'll be like, damn, okay, never mind, Dilo. Bye. <laughs> I get slighted all the time. My own family like is like, oh, oh yeah, no, we've been talking to Anjali. Don't don't trip. Like how come nobody calls me? Anymore? <laughs> yeah. So you you said you explore. Uh, it sounds like you've always explored queerness and kind of gender and things in your work and you started as a spoken word I did I started doing hip-hop and spoken word I was here I was here in LA at UCLA doing a lot of like there was a whole bunch of like anti-police brutality work that I was doing with the artist network of refuse and resistance so it was like all the social justice stuff like underground Mm -hmm. hip-hop like a whole bunch of stuff like that in Lamert and in East Los and in uh Temple City uh, with all different sorts of folks. When I left to go to New York is when I started doing theater. I started doing theater with somebody named Susanna Cook, who's just like a brilliant, satirical, funny as hell playwright. <clears throat> so then I started thinking more expansively mm-hmm. and around performance. And I was always funny, and I think that doing hip hop and spoken word, you, you didn't, there was no space for humor in those genres for me. So then, especially when you're talking about social justice issues. So it was like this whole new world opened up for me doing theater in New York. And then I, I was, I, that's how the stand-up started coming out of there. I've seen in some of your, your, um, your theater pieces that you, are, uh, you dress up as a woman. You uh-huh. become a woman character. What does that feel like to you as a man? You know, for me, I think performance is, is like, I, I've always said that the queer body is 
the most informed body. Because in this world, part of survival is performance. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there was a study going into character work for me that I didn't know I was doing for my theater life, but I was actually doing for my survival the first time I transitioned, you know, like when I was trying to be a girl. Mm -hmm. So being, performing gender is not a problem at all for me. In fact, it's a way to like just express myself artistically, creatively, whatever. And I almost do this thing, especially because I was trained as an actor through, um, through, do we need a hold for that? No. No. Um, it just gets crazy. <coughs> sorry, guys. The noise gets no crazy. Um, the, the, I was talking about character work. I didn't know that I was doing this work for the theater when I was, when I was uh, younger. And I felt like I could, I could be different people and honor the, these voices especially if I knew that as a queer person of color, I was probably one of the very few that was even performing on national stages at that time. Uh So the weight of that was on my shoulders, right? So I had to honor these characters. And thankfully, I was trained not in schools like conservatories and all of that, but like by mentors and elders who really asked me to come forth with my work with complete integrity. So... I took those roles seriously. This was like, this wasn't almost me anymore. These were people who I was representing that didn't have the chance to say what I want, what they wanted to say, you know? So it wasn't just about the gender of the character. It was really about like, what is it that they're saying that is felt in so many people's lives, but they don't get a chance to say that to a bunch of people, you know? Uh-huh. So that's the... The, the drag or the taking on gender or, or even taking on um, age, mm-hmm. you know, is it's important because that their demographics, but more importantly is like, what is the story that these characters are saying? So then when did, <coughs> when did the more like pure comedy yeah. come into the picture? So... I, you know, I always wanted, I thought that I was going to become a music producer, right? That was my main thing. That's what I did in college. You know, I thought that I was going to be a music producer. When I left New York and I, and I was doing that spoken word and hip hop, I was still getting paid to do these things. So it was almost like, even though I thought this was going to be what my, what was going to give me my salary, I was getting paid to do this as a young person. So I kind of just stayed with that and stayed with it. And then suddenly like university and colleges and all of this stuff are asking me to come in because some of my work has also been either talked about in academic, uh, you know, scholarly type people are writing about my work, or it's that you start talking about, um, it, like in sociology, about culture and about migration and all of this stuff. So then my work was also highlighted in, in that way. So I started, ended up having to like do these artist invitations where I'm basically talking about what I do and performing, but all of my stories are like, funny as fuck so then it was just like I would tell these stories and I would get better and better at telling the stories and then it just ended up becoming part of my set um that's awesome and then eventually I would I I left all doing that work like maybe I might read a couple of poems or whatever but most of it ended up becoming comedic work and then you did uh a solo show Mm -hmm. about uh Something have, related to tea, to tea or not to tea? Yeah, that's the last one. So I've done, I, I think this is like my fourth one. 
And this recent one was, um, it was commissioned by a theater in New York, Dixon Place, which is like traditionally known to, to do queer work. It's a state-of-the-art theater. It's a really beautiful space, and it's kind of what I've called my, my theater home in New York. It is my theater home in New York. Um, so they asked for my next solo show, and my, the one before that is connected to it, but they're standalones. So this one was around like childhood and coming into the decision, and a lot of my uh, relationship with my mother and coming into the decision of medically transitioning or getting to that crevice, right? Mm-hmm. Or not the crevice, the, the, the brink of mm-hmm. making that leap, right? This, to tea or not to tea, is, um, you know, tea meaning testosterone. So it was, it's really about, like, how, now that I am this, how do I become not just, like, like, what does, the question is, what does beautiful masculinity look like in a toxic masculine world? So kind of digging into, like, what we've been informed by as young masculine of center people, including cisgender men. And why can't we attach beauty to our understanding of masculinity? And why can't we attach feminism? And why can't we attach these things that ultimately help us be more free in our, in our ways of interacting in the world? You know, why can't we do that? What, what keeps us locked into our own understanding and definition of masculinity? You know? How long have you been on T? Two and a half years. What, uh, what did it feel like when you first started taking it? Um, hormones are weird. They're very strange, magical substance. And um, I, I, I was going through puberty all over again, but on the flip side. So, you know, acne and all of that. And your shit grows. Like, and, <laughs> and, then, you're, and then on top of that, you're, you're like, I'm... I was definitely, like, there was a spike in my libido all the way. Like, my ass was just horny. I would see, like, before, like, I'm around women all the time. And there would be some days where I would be like, I feel like a fucking creepy guy. (laughs) Because I would look at women, and this is not people that I know, but, like, women that maybe I had seen before or whatever, and I'd be, like, kind of not able to get shaken out of my my head and I'm like this is this is not me this is not me I've never been the person who stares who's like oh yeah you know never never like no matter what R&B smoothness I had in me <laughs> I was never being like oh hey sunshine you wanna have, you know? <laughs> you know but it was like all of a sudden I felt like you know I, I felt like a little bit out of control. Not that I was out of control physically or, but it just felt so unlike me. It was the hormones, right? And then there's other things that happen with it that like, um, for example, and, and this I'm talking about in my next show, is that you know when I only had estrogen in my body, if I was feeling something, and let's say I was getting sad and I felt like crying, I could be like, okay, don't cry, don't cry. And then I would stop my, I would try and stop myself from crying, but still, I would still cry. I right. would like, there was, sometimes it, you just couldn't fucking stop it. Like, it was yes! just like battle, battle, <laughs> battle, and then you still cry, right? On tea, 
I feel these sad things coming. And I was like, don't cry, don't cry. And it's like, boom. What? Nothing. And it's almost it's good, like, good, it's <laughs> almost like, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> so now I try not to say, don't cry, don't cry, because I know it's almost as if the, the feeling just, not just the tears go away, the feeling, the sadness goes away. And when I think about this and I think about how many people are screwed because they're not able to access these emotions, mm-hmm. like that's why we're living in this very imbalanced society, you know what I'm saying, when it comes to just the binary of gender. You're dealing with a, 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 a community of people who literally cannot access emotion, you know what I'm saying, or, or this particular it turns immediately into rage. Like, if I'm like, don't cry, D, I'm left not just without the sadness, I'm going into anger, right? Because it's all that shit just not knowing where the fuck to go. Whoa. It's, it's a trip. It's a trip. And, it's, and, it feel, and I feel like I'm sitting here and I'm like, like taking notes. And I'm worried that I don't, that I should have done this kind of like, study earlier because I'm, I'm losing my access to going there. Like the, the equivalent would be to um, skip a shot. Do you get what I'm saying? But then what that does is a whole nother heap of problems. Do you get what I'm saying? So I can't afford to miss a shot. You know what I'm saying? What's the, I'm sorry. Missing <clears throat> injections. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what is, what's like the side effects of that? Well, I don't. I haven't had a hysterectomy, so oh. part of what happens is that your body is still is producing estrogen, needs T to counteract, counteract yeah. or like, uh, yeah, let's just say counteract it. I'm not speaking in medical terms, everybody, so don't judge me. I know trans people are like he's saying this all wrong. I'm um, sorry, I'm making it worse. No, I know, like I'm not, I'm not the, I, I'm not the the transgender of transgenders. Um, so, but but that's one thing that happens then. Um, and so, what you, you I experience what would have been almost like menstrual cramps, which uh, are no fucking joke. No. Um, but this is like. Hundred thousand times worse. Cause your, cause your body's like, oh, do we get a chance to do this or whatever? And then it's like, just bucks like a horse. Yep. So it's like sometimes that pain is so fucking debilitating <sighs> that, uh, like, I might if I don't pop that Advil in right away, I literally cannot do anything. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's like s- something else, boy. <laughs> Man, that is, I, it's just such a crazy idea to think about that the chemical testosterone could give men that ability to shut it down, which is to shut down pain and sadness is a, that's a natural thing to want to do, but... Exactly, for anybody, yeah. men or women or whatever. I know, Absolutely. I'm getting jealous of, But honestly. then the fact that you can actually access the control over that. So like, let's say young little boys, cisgender boys are more in tune with their emotions or whatever. They might cry a little bit more there, you know, and then at a certain point, the testosterone's in there, you know, whatever. We don't need to survive society. Well, 
we needed to survive society in a whole other way than we might have had to do in the caveman days. But, but I feel like when you're going through puberty and you're dealing and, and you're you're feeling the effects of testosterone, you're also getting signals from society that you're no longer a boy. You no longer can emote in in soft ways. So all the emoting you do is so aggressive, right? It's almost like it like I'm have to deal with this shit in a like my puberty stage went so quick the second time around, right? Like I'm injecting hormones into my body. For a young boy, even for the transition between being socialized as a young boy and being told like to, to man up or whatever, to when they finally do have the hormones through their system and they figured it out, that's even a, a short time. Even though it's longer than what I have to go through, there's a socialization that they're battling. Like for me, Yes, I might have been socialized more as a female and maybe more as a, a, a masculine woman. But I definitely wasn't told to not cry. Mm -hmm. Do you get what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like maybe there were some cultural things like, you know, okay, it's okay. You don't need to cry anymore. Do you get what I'm saying? But that's harsh for anybody. To be able to know what freedom was as a young cisgender boy and then suddenly feel like you have to be rerouted because this world looks down upon anybody who emotes softly, you know? Oof. So there there had to be some good effects, right? There's none. There's none? <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, good well, effects. I mean, it's a, good effects. There are some uh, transgendered men that don't uh, choose to take tea, right? Yeah. And uh, so what was your thinking in, in making that choice? Yeah, that, that's, well, that that was what the whole show was about. Well, like, why I, I, can't yeah, I just Yeah, let me ask this be... question. To, to tea or not one? to tea? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To tea or not to tea? That's a great question. <laughs> that is the question. <laughs> um, no, okay. So I I think that I was, I was like, you know, and I still believe this. Why does being a man or being male or being masculine have to look like, why is it only validated in a body that has a penis? You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So, like, why can't we just exist as is? And I think, you know, I, I often think about this, and maybe this might be controversial, but I often think if I was born a little bit later, I would have been, like, chill with however I was as a masculine person in a, in a cisgender woman's body, right? Or uh, assigned female at birth is, is what we say. Um, I still feel like be, it, it's mo like I think for me growing up and knowing that I didn't align myself with femininity that the only way that I understood how to be masculine was to be a boy it wasn't like uh, to be a tomboy do you get what I'm saying I didn't see anybody who was a tomboy later in life you feel me? Uh-huh. So I imagine now, if I was born now, and I looked around and I saw all sorts of people on the gender spectrum, then all sorts of people on the sexuality spectrum, I didn't, if I knew that I didn't have to choose, who knows what I would be looking like, feeling like, what I would desire for my body and my 
sexuality. Do you get what I'm saying? There's no more rigidity, especially when you grow up in a city like that's even close to Los Angeles. Or this, the amount of things that we see on the TV and the internet yeah. and all of this. It's like <clears throat> all of that is influences who you are and how you behave or whatever. Um, so my decision to take tea was a very personal decision. But it it didn't come without questioning why I couldn't be who I wanted to be, or why I couldn't just be the way that I was and get by. I'm I'm happier now. I am just so much more happier. There's a lot less of my time in the day devoted to, is it safe for me to be in the world? Is it safe for me to walk down the street? I know that that sounds like a cop-out, like, oh, are you just, you know, did you just become a man or did you just decide to do this because you, won't, you, you didn't want people staring at you? I would be lying if I said that that didn't have a huge role in it because it's like, I'm not saying that I just did it so that I could pass as a dude. Like, I always felt this way. But what I'm saying is my desire to be on testosterone was to be calm, to be happy with me to be who I always wanted to be when I was younger, before all the feminist theory and before me coming into like even social justice or spiritual consciousness. Do you get what I'm mm -hmm. saying? Before all of that. So there's an ease that I am walking with that I only, I craved when I was younger. I imagined, I dreamt of that I have now. But, you know, actually there's no but. I just... I'm, I, I like me. I like me more than ever before. And I'm not saying it's just the tea. It's just that I was able to access so much more in the calmer state. Do you get what I'm saying? So it is, I know I'm talking all over the place with this, but what I am saying is that there's something that spiritually happened with me the minute that I could, that I was on tea, the minute that I was feeling more like myself. I get to start thinking about the world in a, in, a, in a whole other way. I got to start interacting with the world in a whole other way. I got to, my thoughts by myself felt a different way. They weren't, I wasn't always depressed. Do you get what I'm saying? So there's just, a, and, it, and it's like complex because it's like, some of it is about being, being able to walk down the street and I have every, anybody bother me. Yeah, it's but, so but, hard to pull apart like what is exactly. society, mm -hmm. I know even just just as a woman, like Absolutely. trying to figure out why I do certain things mm -hmm. or like why I like certain things. And yeah. it's like, I don't f fucking know. Some of it's conditioning yep. for sure. Yeah. But I, it's so but hard. It to also sounds like a, a very like beautiful gift that you gave that small version of yourself. Like, you know, that's it's a beautiful thing that you've done for that little like if you could have gone back when you're five years old and, and told talk that to you and say, Hey, and at like, one hey, point yeah. the way you think yeah. the thing, yeah, I'm gonna give that to yeah. you. Just smile in that dress for a second because it's gonna be okay. Yeah, yeah. Later. You're, gonna, you're gonna feel <laughs> yeah, as much totally. the way you've yeah. always wanted to feel. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, absolutely. I mean that, totally. that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, and and I see little ones now and I'm just like Look, don't trip. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> don't trip. You're going to get to do what you need to do. You know. So your girlfriend's been like a miss. She was with you before the... She was tea. with me before tea, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I started testosterone in 2015. 
so she had known like we had been together for like almost five years by the time I started. So when when was the point where, because you because you came out as gay, and mm-hmm. then when did you come out as trans? Before there was ever even any like tea I came out as talk. trans, like like I. You know, there's this thing like in in a lot of masculine of center and masculine women circles, you might refer to your boy as like a like your boy B O I or like that's a stud or that's mm-hmm. we didn't use words like butches or stuff like that as like stud or ag aggressive or whatever. But I and we all referred to each other in with male pronouns. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And none of us ID'd as trans. You know what I'm saying? But we all, there was a space for us to exist as ourselves and and as what would be understood to be transgender, right? But it was just like we were all boys, studs, brothers, right? I think in 2004 or five, I think I, I that was where I started owning it a little bit more because I had written a play called Ballin' with my boys, which was all about like boys on the spectrum, on the gender spectrum. And then... Um, and then I, uh, I think 2005 is when I started more IDing with that. 2005, no, actually, no, 2006. So a little bit longer, but then, and then I had top surgery in 2009, and then I had, I got on hormones like six years later. So was, was the like second coming out or whatever um, easier, mm-hmm. different? It was harder with my family because things were already tense. Uh huh. Um, and also, it looks you know it's medical, right? So they might have been okay with my queerness to a certain degree, and then it was like this other thing. But I think for everybody else and my journey and whatnot, like. I think also the older that I got, the less I started to care about what other people were feeling, too. Uh-huh. I was like, I got to get happy. You know what I'm saying? If I don't get happy for me, like, it's not going to be fun for me. You know, it's just not, I'm not, I'm not living the life that I want to be living, you know? Um, so, it, but, but I think, it, I think, I think it was easier because I was older. Yeah. I think even with my family, it was easier because I was older. I was no longer like you know, worrying about what they were gonna, I was just like, look, I'm gonna say this, if it, if it causes a, a greater, uh, what is it, riff, uh-huh. uh, then, then that's what I have to deal with. I was more set to deal with whatever the consequences were. Um, do you find, uh, there's just been so, it's so, I feel like lucky, even though like it doesn't, directly affect my personal journey but to be in this media landscape where there's like so many different kinds of perspectives Mm -hmm. and like it feels like I know we're not even like close to where it should be but it feels like more things are normalized than ever before absolutely yeah do you feel that because like you know you you were trans before that shift started yeah, yeah, happening yeah, yeah, yeah. and after do you feel yeah. the it, effects you of mean it? like hollywood and the yeah, industry yeah yeah you know what's so crazy is that i was t- i was actually just answering this question the other day and i was like in the same way that i never would have thought as a young kid that i would be able to be who i never thought that i would ever be on set be told to be an actor which is why i was doing all these this theater stuff and i was 
always making, you know, I'm not like the best. I wasn't balling, but like I was like, I was surviving. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, making a living off your I was art. making a living yeah. off of my art as a queer person of color, uh-huh. as a queer trans person of color. So the f- and 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 the thing is I I gun so hard for this cuz I'm an artist, right? When I started sniffing that Hollywood was start slowly trying to like be more open is when I moved back and that was when I got on um, Looking was the first show. That's the HBO show. Oh, I got on Transparent, and then I got on Sense8, and then I got on. I got these other things that asked me to just be me, and this was pre-T, so I'm not passing. And and all of these little things were like, oh my God, this could be the time that I could go for what it is that I really want to do. And it's not just acting in TV and film. Like, don't get me wrong, I love live performance. That's like my jam, but. To be able to know that I don't have to be on the road for the rest of my fucking life and maybe I could be able to make some checks here in LA. Like, I feel, yeah. you know. And then, then, and the other thing was that it was really hard to get an agent. Uh-huh. Because when I wasn't passing, it was like, well, we don't know what to do with you. I had some people kind of like, okay, yeah, you're talented, but we don't have anybody in. Uh, who's like you and now people are like oh the weirder the better you know that's how they kind of see it I'm like, hey I'm not a circus freak okay? um, but uh, but yeah like there's a lot of things that have changed there's a lot of stuff that's changed for people of color there's been a lot of changes for for uh, you know women and and just any story that hasn't been told in excess there's a lot of room for it and do you I'm notice more than ever I'm not saying completely. <laughs> right. No, to- I am with you. Um, do you feel, so I'm from like a small town in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. I'm sure has similar Lancaster vibes. Yeah. Um, do you feel the difference in places like that, that people are, minds are opening? Because like, I think of shows like Transparent, Transparent yeah. and um just I, the fact, it's like, I think that there are so many people from my town that just haven't been exposed mm-hmm. to that, mm-hmm. like anything that's other or mm-hmm. whatever. And I, I don't know. I'm curious about your perspective. I feel like TV and YouTube and whatever else they have allowed for people all over the globe to see what what some of the more active cities are doing around gender, sexuality, race, or whatever. Um, every city, thankfully, every, every like, you know, major capital or major city has like within a certain radius has college towns and then you, you're grateful for the college towns in Amish country or, you know, whatever. Uh Not that the Amish are backwards. (laughs) They're not, um, maybe more progressive than most. Um, but, uh, but what, what I'm saying is that, you know, the the gender expression gets really like the gates open when you're in college, right? Like it's it's through that kind of conversation that then influences content creators and how people are discussing queerness in general. Um, and then you know, artists, of course. But um, I think that those are the things that are changing our landscape around queerness. I think that there's been more of a shift around queerness than there has been about race. Yeah. Because everybody has a queer cousin. 
And everybody's, you know, slowly opening themselves up to just being queer or queer-minded. And I feel like you don't always have a cousin who's a, of, of another race than you. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, well, and that's like proof to how deep-seated our racial stuff is. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> is that, yeah, that, that it's, yeah. Yeah. So, so anyway, on that tip, I, I would say that there's, there's a lot more that's happening uh, gender, sexuality-wise than there is. Well, we can hope for even more strides. Even more. Even more. <laughs> this has been awesome. Do you have anything that uh, you want to plug? What's going on? God. Um, well, New Year's Eve, Los Angeles. It's happening downtown. Guess who's your MC? What? <laughs> yeah. I have to plug this. Grand Park in the Music Center presents... New Year's Eve. Um, That's dope. Yeah. Beat Junkies. Like, I forget who else is there, but I saw Beat Junkies. I was like, oh, shit. Um, then uh, then after that, there's something with Outfest. There's, a, there's like, a, a get-together that I'm hosting for them, too, at the West Hollywood Library. Um, th- most of the stuff in the December and January months are, like, you know, it's the quieter months. Uh-huh. So, like, you know, me, Jenny, and Otsuko are working on something to right now i don't know if they've talked to you about it i don't even know if i'm supposed to be talking about it yeah we don't have to but (laughs) but it's it's great (laughs) and i'm working with some other folks on some other stuff as well so it's just a bunch of like i'm trying i'm trying to really learn how to work smarter oh my god i feel that work harder so um, that's that's the main thing. And then also kick it. So if there's anything that I want to leave the listeners with is um, go spend time with your with your good loved ones. Like maybe if that's not your blood family, that's okay. But like just be around a lot of good people. This world is shitty. <laughs> <laughs> what are your what's your Twitter handle? Instagram? Everything is under D Local Kid. D L O C O K I D. That's like everything. Everything, everything is under that handle. Thank you so much for oh, coming. Goodness. This was amazing. I, I thought that y'all was really going to ask me what kind of sex I had. <laughs> I was like, wow, y'all want to get serious. Next, Wait, time, next, time. <laughs> next time you come back, yeah, we'll have a real raunch episode. Yeah, yeah. like, so can you can you show us that yeah. position? I'm like, yeah, 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 hold on. <laughs>